I have fought more children than any man alive. Ian Angst is an agoraphobic who moves to the wide open expanses of the Australian Northern Territories with hilarious consequences. It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the Leopard. Welcome to Beware of the Leopard, the index section at the back of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm Mark Stedman, and I'd hate to think I was getting you down. I'm John Hickman, and I'm a no-good Dumbo nothing. And my name is Danny Smith, and I'm just this guy, you know? It's our job to deconstruct the Adams universe and put it back together in alphabetical order. We're still on the A's, so let's crack on with a star system that, if visited by Earthlings, may have put a kink in the Vogon's plan to destroy it. Alpha Centauri is the closest star system to ours, roughly 4.37 light-years from Sol. The only character in the books to ever visit is Arthur, who shops at the duty-free mega market on Port Braster. John, given that this is the site where the Galactic Planning Office keeps its documentation... Is this a commuter system, or do you think people actually live there? Okay, I um, I don't think it's so much a commuter um, system as more of a, um, uh, like an intergalactic slough, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, so for <clears throat> yeah, so it's 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 not it's not necessarily something because um, a commuter place could could be nice. Like um, I commute to the city centre. And it's quite pleasant there in in parts. Um, so I don't think this is that. I think this is uh, a post-war reconstructed system full of brutalist buildings and, well, basically planning offices and industrial estates. Um, and for those listeners who, who don't get the reference to Slough, we're talking the office, the UK office. That's where that was based. The American equivalent being Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yeah, but I think that that's nicer than Slough, simply because it's uh, obviously, you know, it, it's in America. So it has to be a glossy version of it. <laughs> it's, it's like any uh, recast American soap. Everyone in there is slightly glossier than the English people. And the place is slightly glossier too. But... Oh, yeah. So Crossroads became Dallas. Exactly. EastEnders was Home and Away. That's, was it? Right. <laughs> <I don't>, <laughs> <laughs> That's Australian. I, I, I don't know. I was, struggling for, I was struggling for soaps and I just reached for the first few that crossed my mind. So when I was, um, when I was looking up um, a few, few things about Slough to kind of situate it for the world, the quote that uh, I found, which I really, really like, is that Slough was a haven for the unemployed Welsh. A haven, like the, uh, the like the unemployed are persecuted in Wales. Apparently, they walk there up the road. They just walked up the road from from Wales, the road from Wales to Slough. But Slough is one of those places that, when you read a description of it, it's defined not in terms of itself, but in terms of proximity to other places and the things it does for other places, and that's what makes Alpha Centauri um, become that in in my head. It's like. It's not come to Office Centuri, it's it's this, it's that, and it's got these things that are of itself. It's come to Office Centuri, it's convenient, and there's plenty of A-roads. Yeah, it's like, come to Alpha Centauri. It's really hard, it's really difficult to get here, but it's really, really easy and cheap to leave. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like the opposite of the Hotel California. <laughs> <laughs> we have a number of these towns around the, around the UK, so we've got the one that you send all your tax money to, Cumbernauld. 
Oh, God, um, Cumbernauld. I have some not particularly fond memories of sending lots of documentation off to Cumbernauld when I was uh, first applying to be a freelancer. Yep. But no idea it was actually a real place. I, I like to think of Alpha Centauri as um, it's always a fictional destination that people don't reach. So not necessarily in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, but in other things, people were always on their way to Alpha Centauri before something happened. So uh, the ones that I can remember is Lost in Space. They're on the way to Alpha Centauri, and then uh, the the Doctor, Doctor Smith, is it? Smith, yeah. Uh, does something to the ship, and they're, they're stuck on one planet, which every passing robot and alien seems to stop in at. And then there's uh, the other light-hearted um, uh, TV uh, drama, uh, Event Horizon. They were on their way to Alpha Centauri, but stopped in at um, Hell. Uh, hell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they thought it would be nicer than going to the planet office. Yeah. <laughs> Planning office, sorry. It'd be nicer than going to Swindon. But I guess the reason why the, the unemployed Welsh didn't go to Cumbernauld was because they didn't have any tax to deal with. <laughs> yeah. The last one I've got is it's where... Uh, the AIs in Neuromancer, when they link up, bugger off to when they're bored of Earth. Wow, Danny Smith kicking the new knowledge. I know, I I know that book like the back of my hand. And essentially, they, when the AIs merge, Winter Mutant Neuromancer, that when they merge, they they do the equivalent of, uh, oh, it's it's uh, oh, somebody wants me over there. No, 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 we don't hear anything. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, somebody wants me over there. And they, I'm getting a phone yeah, call, sorry. Yeah, and they piss off to Alpha Centauri, which I always thought was hilarious, like, way of getting dumped by AIs. <laughs> um, in, the, in the fourth book, we find that uh, Arthur shopped in the duty-free mega market at Port Braster, uh, which has the slogan, be like the 22nd elephant with heated value in space, bark. <laughs> Um, it's printed uh, on a bag that Arthur carries with him and stuffs his towel into. The slogan is a pun in lingua centauri, which was completely uh, completely incomprehensible in any other language, uh, and thus therefore entirely pointless for a duty free shop at a spaceport. <laughs> that's that's wonderful. It's it's. I wonder if Douglas Adams knew about like Chingrish. Oh yeah, because that that sounds like Chingrish, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. It does. Um, and now let's talk money. The Altarian dollar is a now-defunct currency, but you can see the wonders of the galaxy for less than 30 Altarian dollars a day. So, Danny, what's that in Magrathian money? Hmm. Okay, I thought about this. Because the Magrathians weren't awake um, and weren't awakened by their system that had linked their uh, their support systems to the currency index, I'd like to say, because they were all asleep, I'd say that it wasn't enough but the the publishers of the guide made a made a classic error with the thirty Altarian dollars issue, you know. So <clears throat> uh, we all know, and apologies to those uh, listening who aren't from Birmingham. We all know, Mister Egg, you can eat like a king for a pound, and then over time, inflation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you you change the rank that you were going to be out to eat. You change the amount from a pound to one pound fifty, and it's the same problem that Poundland's having now as well, where you go into Poundland and there's things at the till for a tenner. And they've 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 had to because um, they can't get real Toblerones anymore. They've had to commission their own Toblerone. Toblerone, excellent. I think it's also worth mentioning that getting to uh, around the universe on thirty Altarian dollars a day was kind of the ulterior title for the book. 
Yeah, I can I can see that being a thing. Do you know the the, the origin story of Hitchhiker's Guide? I know our version of the origin. Okay, story. Okay, the, the version I heard that he was hitchhiking around Europe and he had two books on him, the um, Hitchhiker's Guide to Europe and uh, going around Europe on thirty dollars a day, or the equivalent. And he was drunk on red wine, fell off his bike in a bush, and decided to sleep there. <laughs> And just as he was going off to sleep, looking at the stars, he was wondering about the books and what the books would be if you had to travel the universe. And and those were the two titles of the books that he came up with, and one of them he elaborated on. That was the same origin story that I've heard. Uh, Yeah, and uh, if that's not actually what happened... Can we just say that's what's happened? Can we we just... Yeah, Yeah. that's, that's the more beautiful truth. Um. All right, and uh, from money, we move to philosophy. The amalgamated union of philosophers, sages, luminaries, and other thinking persons are campaigners for rigidly defined areas of doubt and uncertainty. Uh, we'll talk about Vroomfondel and magic thighs in later episodes, but for now, John, are you much of a philosopher? Ask me it again in a couple of months when I've been examined for my PhD. <laughs> so I guess technically I am one because I'm studying for a doctorate of philosophy. Um, <clears throat> so there's a book called Philosophy and the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And um, you might think, oh, yeah, because, you know, like, well, you know, Douglas Adams, uh, he wrote this cycle of books and, um, you know, they they make us question what a trilogy is even, you know, uh, but they also make us think about our place in the universe and they make us think about time and space and they make us think about um, all sorts of things. Uh, so, yeah, it's very philosophical. So I'm not surprised there's a book called Philosophy and the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but every single cult media property has one of these books you can get uh, philosophy and batman <laughs> yeah you can so you can get philosophy and the batman and you go read that but you have batman's about good and evil and it's about right and wrong and vigilantism and you know it's about many shades of, of morality and that's obviously got a philosophy book um and then you go oh well there's you know there's philosophy and the x-men oh yeah there's lots of philosophy in that isn't there about um eugenics and about um uh, uh, <clears throat> people on the fringes of society and all these other things obviously that's about that but then there's philosophy and how i met your mother (laughs) philosophy in the simpsons does that have the same kind of weight philosophically as as the hitchhiker's guide yeah um well room fondle and magic thighs obviously bust in and 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 have this complaint about you know we'll take care of the eternal verities and such do you think then that like, are they good philosophers? No. Oh, that's that sort of thing. No, because uh, basic philosophy isn't just the musing of uh, the life of the universe and everything. It's thinking about thinking about the life of the universe and everything. So uh, philosophy tends to be, pure philosophy tends to be more about the process of thinking about things rather than the actual thinking about things. So I think a real ingrained like super group of philosophers would have been more interested in the process of setting up that computer rather than stopping it from happening. Yes. I've got to say, when I was a teenager and read Hitchhiker's Guide, I took the argument that um, uh, with uh, without proof, I am nothing. So uh, the Babel fish is a dead giveaway, isn't it? And God disappears in a mm. puff of logic. I took that as a solid philosophical argument and used that to back up my uh, teenage atheism for far too many embarrassing years. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, that's... I think every kid 
who read that book, uh, uh, you know, at a certain age. We, we've all done it. Yeah. Yeah, it's the standard right of a of a white in, uh, a white male that's read too many books. Uh, yeah, I think that's yeah, a... we've we've all been there. Um, good, right now. Uh, last week we recommended an audiobook read by Will Wheaton, so that's precisely what we're going to do again. Ready Player One is a timely recommendation as the film's coming out soon and bits of it were shot where John and I live and uh, there are a couple of Hitchhiker's references for you in there as well. Uh, You can get the book along with over 180,000 titles uh, from best-selling authors by heading over to audibletrial.com slash leopard. You can try out the service for 30 days completely free of charge and you can pick up a copy of Ready Player One for entirely no money down. And uh, once you've signed up, if you ever download a book that you don't like, you can send it back and swap it for another one. No questions asked. It's called their Great Listen Guarantee. Uh, I've been an Audible subscriber for years, and I really, 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 really love their service. So um, if you want to check it out for yourself and get Ready Player One or um, any of the books that we recommend, or lots of other books, then you can head over to audibletrial.com slash leopard. Get started with a free 30-day trial and let Audible know that we sent you. So, back on topic then, and um, while we've uh, while we've already covered money, perhaps we should do it again? The American Express card is small and about the size of a Raspberry Pi. It's used to buy goods and services, and Ford has one in his possession which he uses to... Uh, or which he tries to use in Handold City to pay an exorbitant bar bill. Uh, Danny, what's the most amount of money you've ever spent on booze? Oh, my God. Honestly, um, I was trying to think. Uh, I would say I have easily spent 200 quid on a night out. Eh. Is that a lot? I, I don't know. I feel like... I, don't, I feel I feel like I've had a few nights where I've um I've scraped that particular amount and 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 gone gone a little bit further down the barrel if you if you know what I mean. Mostly buying drinks for me when I've been skint, to be honest. Oh. <laughs> As a married man, I have uh, been presented with a large bill from a hotel, um, and it was the hotel where <clears throat> we had our, our ceremony and our wedding breakfast. Apparently, they call it a breakfast now. Well, I think they've always called it that. It's like it's not at nine o'clock in the morning. It's UT um, <clears throat> on a wedding day, and then uh, our evening do and um, a hotel. Um, oh, wait, uh, sorry, yeah, the hotel <clears throat> and and rooms accommodation for for us. I stayed there the night before the wedding. We stayed there on the night of the wedding. You say like, this is quite quite a hefty bill, um, and so the last uh, act that I uh, committed during the wedding was to go to the bar and ask for the most expensive brandy and charge it to the room. Ooh. On the basis that I would not find it when I got the itemised receipt. Like, I would never get a £50 shot of brandy again. I think if I have one skill, one truly unique skill that I have, and that's walking the the scattergraph line where one axis is drunk to sober and the other access is money to no money, and always being able to keep myself in the comfortable region of that graph. Always in the, always in the comfort zone. Yeah. So you got to pre, like this pre-gaming, there's smuggling drinks in, there's like when to do shots, when not to do shots, mixing drinks and the effectiveness. I, I think if I have one true unique skill that is the uh, maximum bang for your buck, booze-wise, 
uh, I, I think that's I think that's where I where I. It's important to have skills. <laughs> it is important to have skills. Um, so uh, that's enough talking about money. Let's head to the pictures. <laughs> Angst in Space is a film available on the galactic version of Netflix. Wow Bagger, the infinitely prolonged, seems to think that the second reel is worth being woken for. So, John, what's the Radio Times synopsis of Angst in Space? And do you think there's enough uh, enough there for a sequel? Wow, okay. Um, uh, so... The first thing that flashed through my mind when I saw this in the script was to to, to make a joke about Barry Norman, but God bless him, he's he's gone, isn't he? Um, so I was going to say Barry Norman is away, and he is. He's up there, wherever that may be. Alpha Centauri. Alpha Centauri. He's gone to Alpha Centauri to look at the planning office. I've got a, I've got a Twitter account somewhere, and I can't remember the name of it, where I used to um, tweet Netflix's synopses of movies because they're so horrendously bad. Um, uh, and if I ever find it, I will send it to Mark. Oh, they—they they really are shocking. They really are. Um, I've always thought this. It's—it's it's like they're trying to avoid a certain phraseology. Yes. Like, is it? It's as if they were writing them, trying to avoid giving away the ending. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not, they're trying to, but it's not the ending that they're trying to give away. Yeah. Because sometimes in the synopsis it'll go, and the surprise ending is they were all ghosts all along or something. <laughs> yeah. So it's obviously not that. Yeah, but they are trying to keep something back, aren't they? They're, they're, they're... Yeah. So I, I did have a pop at this and uh, this this synopsis writing thing, um, and it was very much calling back to the, the bad Netflix captions. And inevitably I fell into the uh, stylings of Mr. Richard Herring and Mr. Stuart Lee. Uh, Ian Angst is an agoraphobic who moves to the wide open expanses of the Australian Northern Territories with hilarious consequences. <laughs> That's Angst in Space. I like that. That's perfect. Um, all right, from films to animals now, and a lizard with an exotic utility. <laughs> The skins of an Antarian mosaic lizard are used to make the frosting for the 80-yard-long marble-topped bar of the restaurant at the end of the universe. Nearly 20,000 lizard skins were stitched together to make the frosting, which puts the lizards at less than a fifteenth of an inch long, or 3.6 millimetres, if you like. So, Danny, just how expensive would an Antarian mosaic lizard handbag be? Well, to work this out, you have to work out the cost per lizard and then multiply the uh, actual size of the lizard by an estimate. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, okay, so Antarian mosaic lizards aren't real, but you can get... I, I did a Google search. You can get mosaic lizard garden ornaments. Oh, so mosaic ri- lizards are real? No. Um, Antarian mosaic lizards aren't real. I don't think mosaic lizards are real, but mosaic lizard garden ornaments are real. They're a thing you can buy. You can buy a thing that is an ant, not, not an Antarian, but you can buy a mosaic lizard garden ornament. <laughs> At the risk of this becoming a Red Dwarf podcast and you having to say everybody's dead day <laughs> in every single, every single way that you can say it. Can you just, <laughs> can you just say mosaic lizard garden ornament, ornaments are real to me in a number of different ways until I can pass okay, it, please? So mosaic lizards aren't real, but mosaic lizard garden ornaments are real. They are a thing you can buy. You can buy a mosaic lizard garden ornament a mosaic lizard garden ornament is a thing that you can buy but a mosaic lizard is not a real thing okay what's becoming a thing is my inability to read the show notes and understand what's real because we did this last time what about other ornaments we did and um other ornaments uh, are available 
um, to buy. Um, yes. So, uh, before we crack on, uh, let's take a moment to review last week's poll. I, along with Johns, Hickman and Bounds, came up with suggestions for the lead in a new hypothetical Netflix Hitchhiker series. And the results are in. With 25% of the vote, it's a tie between Danny Dyer and Jacob Rees-Mogg. But with a resounding 37.5% of the vote, we can announce that Simon Pegg will definitely be the next Arthur in our hypothetical Hitchhikers series. So, with Pegg front and centre, who is our Ford? I really liked both of the on-screen um, Ford prefects. And um, I w- Was it t- TV and film? I'm talking, about the t- I'm talking about the TV and I'm talking about the movie as well. Okay. Um, I, re- I kind of didn't think that much of the TV Ford. I, re- oh, no, I really liked him and I really liked Mostef as well. Uh, but I believe that Yasin Bey has now retired from acting and music and is only going to be working in activism. Therefore, I can't pick him. And at this point, I will pass to Dan. Right. I've got a list of suggestions here because I didn't like being being missed out in an episode and having people talking about things that wasn't me. So I have a list of things here. Okay. Given Simon Pegg is Arthur. Um. Michael Sheen is a good standing for the original TV Ford. We're talking about young Welsh Michael Sheen. Yes. N- not, 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 the, not the president. No, no, no. <laughs> not Martin Sheen. <laughs> Let prefect be prefect. Yeah. Um, I've also got Idris Elba because whenever you're recasting something, we have to suggest Idris Elba. That is the woke law of the world now. However, however, you can't be making arguments about how it's about time there was a Black Ford prefect. So, <laughs> yeah, no, no, that you can't back that up. I've also got um, now Ford prefects got to be human passing, but slightly weird. Mm-hmm. And I thought also kind of sarcastic, but kind of fun. Mm-hmm. So I thought I thought Stephen Merchant would be oh actually because he's slightly odd, alien, moving and and looking and awkward. Yeah. But also quite fun and cool, and all, yeah. and also the same age range. Yeah, yeah, with Peg, with Peg ears. I also thought of Riz Ahmed. Yes, mate. Um, because if yeah, you, I, I had him if too. If you're gonna have someone as old as Stephen as as um, Simon Peg, then why not use the weirdness as kind of a generation thing? And Riz Ahmed has got that slightly um, just sort of. On a slight tangent to everyone, look about him and everything that he's in, hasn't he? Yeah, uh, yeah, and also that'd be nice because let's face it, like uh, the Ford, um, uh, the Ford Arthur relationship can be perceived as a generational uh, gap. You know, there's technology that he doesn't know, there's customs that he doesn't know. He thinks he's right because he's traditional rather than uh, expansive. So. I thought that might be nice. And Chevy Chase is good in everything. I think he'd play a blinder, but it's got to be a young Chevy Chase, not an old Chevy Chase. Well, on on that note, you could go for um, Danny Pudi from uh, Community. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah, he does that. He he does that. Um, yeah, not necessarily empathic. Uh, non-human thing yeah so i don't i don't i i haven't got past more than a couple of episodes of community which is uh clearly unfortunate for this conversation but to kind of (laughs) to kind of reprise reprise back to the idris elba thing then in that case we need to have the first female for prefect and it needs to be alison brie oh good yeah really good 
good. Yeah, um, all right. Well, if you want to cast your vote, then head over to btlpodcast.com. Uh, click the blog and you will see our hypothetical Ford poll there. Uh, go in and cast your vote and we will reveal the results of said vote in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, back to the task at hand then, and another uh, animal that has been put to use by higher life forms. An Ontarian parakeet gland uh, stuck on a small stick is a revolting but much sought-after cocktail delicacy, and very large sums of money are often paid for them by very rich idiots who want to impress other very rich idiots, or so says the guide. John, have you ever wanted to impress someone you later found out to be an idiot, uh, or otherwise not worth impressing? No, I haven't, but I think that happened to Danny when he met me. Aww. Um What about you, Danny? Uh, yes, actually. I, I, In fact, when I met a lot of people from Birmingham, I met them via their online reputations first and was a little intimidated by them. So um, my bolshy persona may have been a reaction to the fact that I was surrounded by people that uh, was far smarter than me. And oh. um, that is true. I was thinking um, you come off that with a joke, but okay. No, no. Oh, oh, so you just basically used your people hacking skills in order to uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> ingratiate yourself. <laughs> the master of manipulation. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I, I think probably I, I'd have, I, I think, I think the three of us are probably woke enough that we wouldn't overly try to impress someone i i think i can i can see how we might be intimidated by someone we, weirdly um i, I think i can come in oh, on this go on go on mark so mark an anterior yes. parakeet gland stuck in a small stick is revolting blah blah blah, blah, blah have blah. you ever tried to impress someone <laughs> uh yes john um I went out with uh, a girl we we went um for drinks after i um asked her to come and record some music basically uh, on the pretext that we could then go for a drink and um she was kind of dreadful I, weirdly like it's someone that we both know from the internet and from birmingham um her name is uh, and oh my god we, she was hot yeah she was just she was condescending and really dismissive and just like completely looked down her nose at me and it was um it was a it was an awful evening of me sort of trailing along behind her trying to say funny things and her just looking witheringly at me she came across as an awful human being on the internet she yeah no in general she was a terrible human being from what i met like she she, she was the worst all right um so, as well as examining all the bits of the Adams universe that have names, we also wanted to look into some of the people uh, behind it all who also have names. One of those names is a name called Anthony Sharp, and that name belongs to the actor Anthony Sharp. Sharp brilliantly played the waiter and popped up just at the last minute as the great prophet Zarquan at the restaurant at the end of the universe. This must be Milliways. Milliways? Yes. Millie wears the restaurant at the end of the universe. End of what? The universe. When did that end? In just a few minutes. Um, now, if you would care to order drinks, I'll show you to your team. He had a long and successful career as a theatre actor, playwright and director, but uh, arguably the role that will survive the longest is as Garg Pitt the Waiter. So, Danny, when your life's works are discussed 30 years after your passing... What's the thing you'd like them best to venerate? Okay, uh, this is going to sound like humble bragging because uh, I thought this out, but let me let me explain before you jump in. Right, I don't want people mentioning the fact that I work with children and especially like children with EBD problems. 
because I don't do that for altruistic reasons. I do that because it's a lot of fun. It keeps me interested. I like being able to help people. It's purely selfish. So the reason why I do those things, just just in the same way that like a doctor, he doesn't really care about people. Like they just like to see how yeah the human body works and what all the bits do. Yeah, like I've met a lot of doctors that are like I was just really interested in in what would do if I pressed that thing. Um, so uh, just to uh, for for those who don't know, um, can you explain what EBD is? Oh, uh. In Emotional and behavioural disorders. So, you know naughty kids? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, them, but worse. Troubled. Tr- tr- troubled kids. Yeah, I have... I carry the dubious boast uh, that I have fought <laughs> more children than any man alive. We're done, there's a... <laughs> Not often winning. It's interesting you, you, you raise this point because, you know, essentially, like, the work you do is very important to um, the, the service users who, who benefit from it. Um, obviously, you know, that's, that, that, that's a given. Um, but as you say, you know, you, you do derive some joy from it. You also derive some rent from it and some food on your table and some drink and all those other things. Oh, absolutely. And it is really weird how we do have this tendency to to kind of canonize people who who have done a thing that they have an aptitude for in exchange for money um and then kind of said well you know oh well, we're gonna so what i'm essentially getting at is lollipop ladies who get an obe yeah <laughs> like what what is the point of uh, what what's how's that happened i don't get it can i say my nan was a lollipop lady and she's not getting an obe anytime soon because <laughs> Uh, she would go into school and threaten any teacher that messed with any of my aunties and uncles. She's famous for laying out like a, a an English teacher after the he administered some corporal punishment that she didn't seem necessary. She went into school and <laughs> sparked him. <laughs> to her. So she should get an OBE for that, frankly. Yeah, no. I, I think... But it shouldn't be for the lollipop ladying. It should be for dealing with... People. I, I also would very much like um, a some sort of heart monitor device that if ever my heart stops, it automatically deletes my browsing history and huge portions of my phone. There is a product that, that, that will um, is that? secure virtual uh, virtual death for you, and I can't remember what it is, so I'll, I'll try and find it and feed it to Mark for the show notes. I am so down for getting them. I'm not even kidding. Like There is shit in my search history <laughs> that I wouldn't even want my best friends like... I can't think like and some of my best friends are on this podcast right now. It's because you've typed in your best your best friend <laughs> plus porn into the search yeah. engine bar, isn't it? <laughs> well, um speaking of search engines um and search histories, uh, we go from a real person to a real company. Apple, you'll be interested to know, are a company that make computers. Also, pretty neat little digital watches and battery operated pencils for Zark's sake. Anyway, Arthur buys an Apple computer when he returns to Earth in an attempt to plot the location of the cave he spent six years in several million years ago. John, what's the first thing you ever used a computer for? And firstly, does your answer need a trigger warning? No, no, it doesn't need a trigger warning, Mark. It's all fine. But but what is interesting is obviously that that the idea of it needing a trigger warning speaks to a truth about what people will do with computers, which is 
there will inevitably be amongst the heterosexual males of, of the world uh, a tendency to try and use them uh, to look at boobs. Um, that that will happen. Um, and also they will use it for um, making computers say funny things. So early computer, computer memories, there was the friend who had all the toys and he had the best computer in the world. And we ran to his house and he went to some secret cubby hole and he got a floppy disk and he put on strip poker on his PC or Amiga, which was kind of pretty much ASCII art level of... of um, lady bits and we we're like wow that's cool uh when i first got my amiga um it had a voice synthesizer in it and so the thing i spent the most time doing with that was making it say funny things um much like if you um say hello to your bleep um it will um it can be triggered into saying all, all sorts of funny things so you know we we, we have these things that we want to do with computers all the time don't we surely the first the first computers people of our age encountered were the BBC school computers. Yes. So the first thing that you actually did on it was that uh, really elaborate game with dragons and eggs. And it was like a text. Was that Granny's Garden? Text adventure that you. I wonder of... if. Are you thinking of um, Through the Dragon's Eye from BBC Look Through Read. the Dragon's Eye? Oh my God, I haven't um... thought about that for. Yeah, it was. Um... It was a game that uh, accompanied a TV series. So it was part of the the BBC uh, look. And I read imagine there'll be some series. things in the show notes about that because you seem to know. Did you prep, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I just I I do happen to know an inordinate amount. Um, I got I got kind of fascinated with um, with that whole that whole because thing because there was a TV series attached to it, wasn't? Yeah, oh my that's God. it exactly. Oh so like God. there wasn't just uh, through the dragons eye. There was like Geordie Racer uh, and yeah. Pigeon Boy or something. No, I think that was. I think that was Geordie Race of the same thing. Um, but yeah, with Through the Dragon's Eye, there was this um, number and shape and word game that you could play. And the copy I had was on a, an RM Nimbus and it never, um, it had a bug. There was a, the, the, the disc was corrupted. So you'd get right to the end and you'd never see the, um, you'd never see the congratulatory like end scene such as it was in, in ASCII art back in the day. Uh, it would just crash and that was the game completed. Oh, wow. so remember my first computer that, that was able to do, you know, that was, well, my, my, my Amiga was my first like proper computer. And, um, sort of, you're, you're talking about quite worthy tie-ins. Mine weirdly came with a game that was fronted by the mascot of Quaver's Crisps. <laughs> it's actually a fantastic game. Can I just point out that if any, um, people are listening to this and we get facts wrong, mm. please get in contact with us and correct us because uh, I'd really like to hear that. Are you, are you sure? Really? <laughs> no. I didn't, I didn't think so. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I would actually like to be corrected on stuff like that. That would really interest me because okay. they could drop us an email to feedback at btlpodcast.com. Yes, they they absolutely could, John. You're you're completely right. And sadly, that is just about all we've got time for, which isn't strictly true um, because it's a podcast. So let's just say that uh, this is all we're prepared to give you for this week. John, where can people find you on the internet? They can find uh, me on Twitter at John Hickman and they can find my other podcast project at uh, runnerpod.com. Danny? I uh, am at Twitter uh, at ProbablyDrunk um, and I have a website that is edtrinkets.co. That's Edge Trinkets, uh, in case that's unclear. And uh, that just about wraps it up for The Leopard. 
You can find the show at btlpodcast.com along with all of our contact details. Drop us an email to feedback at btlpodcast.com if you feel so inclined. And uh, do subscribe to the show in your podcast app. Just search for Beware of the Leopard. Thanks again to Audible for sponsoring this episode. Don't forget to pick up your free audiobook and start your free trial at audibletrial.com slash leopard. And if you have a moment, do please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It helps people find the show and makes us feel like we're not pissing our lives away. We'll be back in a week. So until then, share and enjoy. Danny, he can cut us out and he's trying to be all professional talking over the top of us and he did, he's doing quite well, I think. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think, Dan? Do you reckon he's got this one as a one take? <laughs>